From the studios of Teeing It Up in the swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling, Danny Flecka in his weekly spot on this Saturday, October 24th, 2020. Uh, Danny, welcome to Teeing It Up. How you doing, my man? I am good. How are you? Not too bad. It's a fall Sunday in New England. Um... Or, or sorry, Saturday. But what I find interesting about today is that the Big Ten starts up. And we're getting closer and closer and closer to having everybody participate. What is going to be interesting, and, we, and we've seen this with NFL teams in week one, week two. There was the question marks about the NHL. There were the question marks about the NBA. There were the question marks looming about NBA 2020, 2021. With all these sports that have come back, and now leagues and conferences inside of leagues coming back is what is it going to look like? So as you sit down to watch the Big Ten today, and we won't talk about specific matchups because this podcast will probably reach most of you guys once these games are completed. But in terms of, you know, play, a lot of these are lopsided matchups. A lot of these are heavy favorite type matchups. What are you looking for to see how these Big Ten teams handled this prolonged offseason? You know, the first question you're going to look at is, is rust and, you know, what type of program these teams have had. And obviously what, what people talk about in the NFL, uh, you know, into, into college too, you know, the continuity of staff, the continuity of, of uh, teams and coordinators and everything else along those lines. So you look at a team like Michigan today, they have a, a, a brand new quarterback coming in. Uh, you know, how will he have adjusted to the, the type of policy that we've had? You know, it is not traditional in any, any sense of the word. So how is he going to adjust to not having any, you know, fall, any games under his belt? You know, they didn't have a spring game this year. Fall practices, I'm sure, were much, much different this year as well. So how do they adjust? I think that's the biggest thing that you see with these teams that have come out of this coronavirus situation is that teams that have had some changes from the, the coaching staff or from the personnel have struggled a bit. And you see it in the NFL, and now you see, you might see it in college too. Uh, you know, programs that are traditionally strong with that continuity have been reigning supreme in the, in the programs that have had some turnover, whether it be uh, you know, from a personnel standpoint, like we see with LSU, or a coaching standpoint, they've had some struggles here. And I don't think it has anything to do with the coaching or anything like that. I think it has to do with the preparation, uh, having been so off-kilter. Uh, but the one thing about the Big Ten that I will say is that it's usually a pretty top-to-bottom, you know, strong conference from a, from a competition standpoint. Is it always the prettiest football? No. But I think, you know, once you get past Ohio State, that, you know, teams from, like, Wisconsin, Michigan, Iowa, Michigan State, you know, all those teams are pretty well-balanced and, and, and provide competitive games when they're on the field. Obviously, you have your Maryland and your Rutgers at that bottom out the conference, but um, the Big Ten in general is usually pretty strong and competitive overall. But, yeah, I think it's going to be the rust. It's going to be how these coaches have, you know, integrated new personnel on their teams or how teams have uh, taken to new coaching and, and their staff. And, and we'll, we'll see it all play out the next eight weeks or so. We are. And, you know, look, Ohio State was a 28-point favorite. And as we record this, they're tied 14-14 with Nebraska in the second quarter. And I think you're going to see some of these teams 
come out and you just don't know what the other team's going to look like, what they're going to throw at you. Are they going to throw gadget plays? Are they going to go wildcat unexpectedly? You give up big play, big yardage, and it's a fluke, and this is stuff that you're able to ratchet down later in the year. And then it goes to Bill Hancock and the College Football Playoff Committee and how the heck do they evaluate these teams along with the Pac-12 when it gets started in terms of the playoff of can you afford a loss if you're one of these two conferences starting late with the theory being you were you had this prolonged offseason, you didn't really get the normal reps, these other teams were playing, had more time to recover, and how do you view a one-loss team? Not that I'm saying Ohio State's going to lose this thing, it's in the middle of the second quarter, but, you know, it, that's what I think is, is of interest to me is, does, does the optics matter if somebody comes out, plays a fantastic performance, takes um, care of a team that was rusty or didn't have the proper preparation? And then how does the playoff committee view that if the team that is expected to be there suddenly runs the table, fixes the week one issues, runs the table, wins the conference, and is clearly a great team but has that one loss to a really bad team, you know, like a Nebraska, as part of their resume? It's an interesting conversation for, you know, come December and January. Yeah, and I think that's the one thing the Big Ten did to disservice itself is that you don't have that wiggle room for your team. The only thing I can say is, you know, you have to treat these teams in a vacuum like you would any other year. So if an Ohio State team loses, like say it's Nebraska here, runs the table, wins the Big Ten, and then you have like an undefeated, you know, Notre Dame team that beats Boston, UNC, and whoever else is on their schedule wins the ACC. There's, there's no way you can put Ohio State in front of them. But, you know, with less games, obviously your margin for error is that much lower. So, I mean, oh, 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 uh, let's take Ohio State, for example. This year, you know, in in addition to their Big Ten conference schedule, which would be difficult, you know, to begin with, they would have played a team like Oregon. You take that game off schedule, that's a huge loss for both teams, right? Because that's a measuring stick game for both teams, both yeah. programs, both conferences. Now you don't have that. So what, what game substituted that game for, for each team? There are no games that are going to substitute it. So your margin for error is just so much slimmer if you're, if you're both the Big Ten and the Pac-12. You have to be undefeated. You have to win convincingly in some of these games. You have to beat the ranked opponents. And you have to be able to go into adverse situations and also win. So I think the Big Ten, you know, with Ohio State, that's their best shot, I think, to get into the college playoff. But if, if you're the Big Ten and you miss out on the college playoff, you know, you really have no one to blame but yourself. You know, you lost out on these non-conference games. You know, granted, they probably weren't going to have them to begin with, given the whole pandemic. But, you know, two more extra games on your schedule against maybe some, some competition would have would have helped you out. So, you know, the SEC, the ACC... Um, Big 12, although I don't think the Big 12 is going to have anybody in the running. You know, the SEC, the SEC has to put its leg up on the Big 10 to begin with and, and throw in there that you have, you know, an additional game or two that you can compare against. You know, the Big 10 is going to be looking at, at a long way to get into the college football playoffs uh, this year. But, you know, in all reality, I still think Ohio State is one of the best four teams in the country. 
As we talk about the and, and as we talk about this, Ohio State's currently driving and, and looks like they're gonna get at minimum three points, uh, as they're currently at the Nebraska thirteen yard line. Um let's let's move over to the pros for a second and um you know, one of the things, Danny, that that uh, I find interesting is that Antonio Brown goes to the Bucks. Now, you can look at this from from the Bucks angle, which we'll get to in a second. But now there's no Michael Thomas and no Emmanuel Sanders tomorrow for the Saints. New Orleans is interesting. They face Carolina tomorrow, but but you would think that a game which Antonio Brown can first play, which is Week Nine. Um, which is against the Bucks of uh, the uh, Saints of all people, um, as that additional weapon for Tom Brady against the Saints. The Saints need healthy bodies back. That's their main problem right now. But then there's also the Drew Brees question. So my one hot take question of the day is, is Drew Brees done and is his arm strength not enough to be an elite quarterback to lead this Saints team deep into the playoffs? So I think... I do think he is definitely at the twilight of his career. Uh, the one thing that's concerned me with him is that without Michael Thomas, that offense is completely different. And, you know, you can say what you want about Drew Brees not having to be able to get the arm strength and everything else like that. But their offense completely changes with him not on there. You know, they come a little more predictable. Their, their route runners they have outside of Michael Thomas, like a Jerry Cook, Emmanuel Sanders, uh, Traquan Smith are built to take the top off the defense to run those deeper routes. They're not as open because there's no one in need to push the defense forward. So when Michael Thomas gets back, I'll make a better assessment of what Drew Brees is and what he's done. But until then, you know, they've been very predictable playing in front of the sticks, not really taking too many shots. And if you're Drew Brees and you're the same as you're, you know, Sean Payton, you have to figure out a way to weather the storm, which is they've done. You know, they pulled out some wins. Um, you know, they have a dynamic player in Kamara that needs to keep getting the ball. The defense needs to stop making stupid mistakes and really learn how to close teams out. I think that's been another big part of their issue this year. They haven't been able to close teams out. We saw the sweep one out against the Chargers a couple weeks ago. But, you know, their defense is committing too many penalties, much in coverages. But again, like you said, the healthy body needs to come back for them. Uh, so, I think once they get Michael Thomas back, once the North Jenkins gets back too on the on the secondary for them, uh, you know they got Kiko Alonso back. I think pretty soon too that to shore up that linebacking spot. I think you'll see a different Saints team. You know, and, and the Saints are notoriously slow starters. You know, they're they're great in October, November, um, and we've seen that you know come to fruition. I think they're what 18 and one in their last 19 October game. Um, but, you know, if you're them and you go into that Bucks game, you want as many healthy people as possible. Because if you sweep the Bucks, you already have now two games up on them in the division. And on top of that, you're the one that beat them twice. So I'll wait before I say Drew Brees is completely done, although I haven't really been impressed with what he's done this year. But he is also 41 years old, and this is probably his last shot. So I think he'll leave everything out on the field. But I do think they need Michael Thomas back to really – get that offense going and be able to hit those, you know, those deeper pass patterns once the defense is sucked up a little bit, doubling Michael Thomas. Talking to Danny Flecky here in his weekly spot on teeing it up. Uh, Danny, uh, per the rules of the National Football League, somebody must come out of the NFC East. Um, uh, 
Who the heck is that going to be? Who is the best team in this division? I, I wish I knew. I, to be honest with you, uh, you know, I've watched a couple of Philly games. I've watched all of the Giants games, a couple of Dallas games, and all these games have played a ball that, that don't translate into postseason success. I, I mean, when you really think about it, you have to take, you know, what is you know out there right now face value and it's the best coach and the best quarterback combination and it has to be the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, they too have been ravaged by injuries. They are not in a good spot I think, you know, with that offense right now. But, you know, do uh, trust Andy Dalton and the Cowboys? No. You know, the Giants are out. The Redskins will be out very soon. It's tough. I, I think Philadelphia definitely has the best shot, just given that, you know, a healthy Carson Wentz, at least, and a Doug Peterson is their coach that has experience grinding out these types of games and getting into the postseason the last couple of years. I think they're the ones that are going to be left standing at the end. What their record will be, I, I don't know. I'm probably going to see them. You're probably going to see them like 8-7-1 or 7-8-1, whatever it might be. But, you know, that's just the way the NFL is set up. And I think this discussion about how bad the NFL, you know, the NFC East is, and, you know, they're going to get a team in the playoffs. I think that narrative is so overblown. It, it happens every single year that this team doesn't deserve to be and that it gets in there. It's just the way it is. Yeah. Right? You just got to keep going with it. So, unless the NFL is like, nope, we're taking the best six teams regardless of their division into the, into the playoffs, these narratives are, are so overblown and, and quite honestly cheap, you know, just get over it. A team's going to make it, they're going to play, and, and at the end what a team looks like today isn't what they're going to look like in, in six, seven weeks. So the Eagles could go on, on a streak here, and they could become one of the highest teams in the league and, and you know, maybe make some noise in the playoffs. And let's not forget, all these teams are clearly flawed in some way, shape, or form, too. So, you know, are the, are the Packers as bad as they were last week? Are, you know, the, are the Bucks as good as they were last week? Are the Rams as bad as they were last week? And, and so forth and so on. So... All these teams on any given Sunday, anything can happen. So, you know, if you're put a gun to my head, though, I'm taking the Eagles just because of what they have with Peterson and Wentz right now. Uh, if you were a part of one of those pools, you would owe money because you did not say the Washington football team. You said their prior name. Uh, well, it still takes some getting used to. <laughs> yes, it will for everybody involved. Um, although it sounds like they're going to stay the Washington football team for another year which will be helpful to some people to 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 get the prior name out of their um out of their uh mind all right uh we have a snow game coming up this week we have uh chiefs broncos in the snow 90 percent chance of it at empower field at mile high um from a fantasy and a gambling perspective right now this is an eight point kansas city line with an over under of 45 how do you uh, what impact do you put on snow into your calculations? I really don't think precipitation is that big of a deal. It's the wind that's the issue. Um, you know, we saw Kansas City put up a decent amount of points last week in, the, in a pretty crappy situation in Buffalo. Uh, you know, I guess from a fantasy perspective, it, it, you know, do you think that you know the, piece, the Chiefs' pass catchers will put up points? I think with Mahomes, they're always going to be in a situation where they're going to want to throw the ball. I was really surprised to see them run the ball last week, to be honest with you. I did not expect them to, to put up 200-plus yards rushing on the Bills. 
but from like a fantasy perspective, you know, it, as long as it's not so windy out there, I still think you should expect to see their production as you would. And to be honest with you, I don't see how you can bench anybody that you have on the Chiefs at all, especially with five weeks and COVID and, and injuries. You're still firing up all those players. Um. All right, so let's uh, go through some things quickly here. Uh, the the Bucks play the Las Vegas Raiders this week. Um, everybody passed their uh, COVID thing, so this game is on, according to Adam Schefter. Uh, what will Antonio Brown bring to the Bucks besides being another threat for Tom Brady and company? I I just always knew, but honestly, shocked. Um, I. I don't think it's the locker rooms anymore. I don't know why would you have Gronk, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, why you need another guy like that. But, you know, they might think he's the guy that puts them over the top. Uh, you know, it definitely makes them a little bit harder to defend. What he's going to be, I don't know. He hasn't played football in over two years, really, right? Because he was he played one game last year and got kicked out, and then... And they had to play it all this year. So it's been a while since he's been on the field and been productive. Uh, I don't know what he's going to give them. I don't think he's going to be a real contributor for a couple of weeks anyway. But, you know, Tom Brady's obsession with him really drove, I think, this decision by the Bucks. They know they have a, a very short window here with him. So they're going to go all in. I don't blame them for the move. I just don't know how he fits anymore to you know, the hot rooms in the NFL, how he's going to be looked upon. You know, he's Tom Brady's only ally there. How do Mike Evans and Chris Godwin feel about this? You know, Godwin's coming up on a contract extension. You know, is he going to want to stay in that environment? Is Arians going to be able to adjust and handle all of these personalities? It's going to be an interesting dynamic. We'll see how it unfolds. Absolutely. All right. Uh, gambling likes for this week. So it's, it, the week started off weird. I didn't really like a lot of the stuff that I was seeing. Then as the week on, went on, I, I figured out, you know, some games I thought were, were some good value. So one of the games I like a lot this week is Cleveland, minus three and a half, I think, at Cincinnati. Um, you know, Cleveland got their butt kicked last week, and, you know, I said it on the podcast with you last week, and still Cleveland was one of those games. I'm not taking them, but, you know, this is a good bounce back for them. They got embarrassed in week one and played the Bengals. They came out strong. They got embarrassed last week and they played the Bengals again. I think their run offense will be able to get on track again. They'll be able to use their play action. Um, and I just don't trust the Cincinnati offensive line. Uh, Joe Burrow has been running around uh, like a maniac back there. I just don't know you know, that they have anyone to block Miles Garrett. And then I just think that offensively the, the Browns will get back to what they did well in their little four-game winning streak. So I like them. Uh, and I, I also like what, you know, the Packers bring to the table this week, too. They had a bad game last week. You know, the game flipped on those two interceptions. When was the last time Aaron Rodgers threw interceptions on back-to-back possessions, let alone a pick six? So I think that the, the Packers are being a little undervalued here. You know, Aaron Rodgers is not going to have this type of game again. And Houston doesn't have that type of defense to give him those types of problems. So I think Green Bay in a good situation this week. Um, and, and I also like Pittsburgh. Um, I know Tennessee's been hot. They're undefeated. Pittsburgh's undefeated. You know, people are asking who's Pittsburgh been playing. 
Um, I'm just going to take that defense and ride it until they, they lose the game. Uh, I think they'll have an opportunity to get out to Tannehill a bit. They are out for their offensive lineman, Taylor Lewan. Uh, Derrick Henry's not going to get 200 yards against the Pittsburgh defense. And I think offensively, Pittsburgh is, is figuring out you know, that they have some big play wide receivers and they want to run the ball. And I think they'll be able to see that against Tennessee. I, I don't think Tennessee's defense is good enough to, to hold a team for all 60 minutes. They have to have a lot of things go right, and that's like on a you know, turnover battle, etc. But I, I like Pittsburgh as a slight dog this week, um, just given that their defense, I think, is enough to withhold the Tennessee offense. And your fantasy likes for week uh, seven in the National Football League. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, the, the fantasy flyer has been all over the place the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, a couple of, of pickups I made this week, you know. Um, I picked up Gio Bernard yesterday because Mixon's out. So if he's still available on some of those leagues, I definitely would take a shot at him. Uh, you know, definitely with the, the bye weeks coming up uh, or in play right now, you know, he's an opportunity to plug in somebody, you know, in that spot. Uh, he's probably the best pickup this week uh, for anybody that was, like, looking for any, looking for somebody to plug and play. Other than that, I think it's, you know, you're pretty much riding with what you have again this week. Like, there aren't a lot of, of options out there. You just have to be, you know, cautious with some of your expectations to some of these players. But I think from, like, a pickup standpoint, if you're able to pick up Bernard, then you might be in a, you might be able to get some good production out of him this week. Um, I'm, I'm just looking ahead in the schedule and, uh, I, I, I don't know when the Jets win a football game. <laughs> I do not know when the Jets win a football game. It's really depressing to make that look ahead. And you just have no idea going into Arrowhead next week. And I don't think they'll win tomorrow against the Bills. Um, ah, life is a Jet fan, Danny. Yeah, I mean, New York sports has been terrible the last couple of years. It continues to be terrible. You know, these teams, you know, I, I told you this yesterday, like the Giants have been the same team for the last five years. And until they they figure out a way to get over that hump, I, I don't know when they'll start being competitive and winning games again. But it is what it is, right? You know, when you, you make mistakes, when you can't close teams out, when you take your foot off the gas, you lose games. And that's what we see from these teams. Yep. And uh, you got to be on it all day. And when you get an 11-point lead, you got to finish it off. And the Giants were unable to do that. And the Jets have had a problem just getting points up on the board. Because, Danny, as we know, you cannot win a game when you score zero points. That will not happen. Danny Flecka, thank you, as always, for joining us today on Teeing It Up. No problem, man. Have a good day. You got it. Same to you. And enjoy your football weekend, everybody.